Welcome to the Bodyful Black Girl Podcast, a bi-weekly conversation where we discuss all things body, movement, and mental health in an effort to support Black women living with depression and feeling more vital, well, and whole. I'm your host, Jennifer Sterling, a registered dance movement psychotherapist and holistic nutritionist based in New York City, and today's guest is Gigi Renee Hill. Gigi Renee Hill is a writer and speaker who helps others find, accept, and express their truths through writing. She brings her experience as a blogger, memoirist, ghostwriter, and creative coach to the books, courses, and workshops she offers on her website, allthemanylayers.com. Through her offerings, she advocates for self-discovery and emotional awareness through writing, as she creates safe spaces for others to own their voices and tell their stories. When she's not working on her own projects, Gigi freelances as a communications consultant and workshop facilitator for corporate and nonprofit clients. She lives in Maryland with her partner and three children and can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Gigi Renee Writes. Before we dive in today, you should know that the information shared in this podcast is strictly for educational purposes and is not meant to replace recommendations given to you by your medical practitioner or your therapist. Gigi, welcome. It's so good to have you. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Likewise, we have been in each other's circles on social media for a while, it feels like. Yeah, definitely. At least a few years. Yeah, and so I'm really excited to see your work always and even more excited now that you have another book out. You've written a few books, Mm -hmm. but this one feels different to me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did it come about? How did you get to the place where you wrote this book? And for everybody who's not familiar, it's called Self-Care Check-In. Yeah, so um, like you said, I have published books before when I started my writing journey about, I guess about 10 years ago approximately. Um, I started self-publishing just as a way to sort of find my voice and to experiment with this new hobby turned, you know, career, aspiring career. And, And I left my corporate career and decided that I just wanted to be really independent and create my own books and my own courses and workshops and all of that. Um, But at the same time, I think that the reason this one feels so different is, for one, I really, at the time that I got the opportunity to write this book, had really come into my own definition of what self-care is. And prior to that, I had a knowledge of self-care I had a perception of it but I didn't have my own meaning for it in fact I had a very limited idea of what it was and going through my struggles with um, you know just changing careers and personal issues like with my family I had a death in my family um, mental health issues just so many things going on in my life and not having a solid sense of self-care and how to take care of myself and, and build my resilience through all that. I went through a really tough time there for a few years. So coming out of that 
um, and having been in just completely surrendered to taking care of myself and getting back to my center and sort of coming home to myself for like a year and a half, that's when the opportunity came to write this book. And it just really answered so many questions for me. It helped me define um, and really dig into my own self-care practice. And it helped me to really find a new understanding of who I am as a creative and as a writer as well. Um, because this this kind of work just fulfills me like no other. And I think I fought it for a while because I wanted to be a, a different type of writer. <laughs> um, and I think it just speaks to the fact that when you really just sort of stop trying so hard and just allow yourself to relax into your natural flow and what's really in, in your heart to, to in, in my case, it was to write or just whether it's your expression or just your lifestyle, when, whatever you let that just flow. Um, I think that's when you eventually find your way to um, where you're really supposed to be and, and finding a lot more meaning in, in what you're doing with your life. I absolutely agree with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've discovered that for myself as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and it's something that I feel like I've fought for a really long time. And fought it because I always felt like I was supposed to be something else or I had another vision and this isn't the way I envisioned it. And Mm -hmm. so many more opportunities came my way when I just surrendered to whatever is meant to be will be. And also if I really practice what I preach, then people will better understand what it is that I do. And so hearing that is like confirmation. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one. (laughs) No, I think that's a great takeaway for anybody listening is that Mm -hmm. there's so much to success or just not even success necessarily, but I think happiness, contentment in life with just Mm -hmm allowing things to unfold in the way that ultimately they're meant to and not feeling like we have to control everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of times we have to experience that to some degree because like I said, everything you said makes perfect sense to me now, but resonates in a different way than it did then. Cause I, I love to read about self-help and personal development and spirituality and and happiness and mindfulness. And I just was in love with all of these topics. But when you take knowledge and don't apply it and don't experience it and don't really kind of align your actions with these these ideas that resonate with you, you, that's where you find a lot of frustration because it's like you said, you're trying to control. You're like, okay, this sounds really good, but I'm going to go over here and do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think this will get me faster results. Or just whatever, you know, whatever emotional thing we're trying to satisfy by, like, not really living according sometimes to what we know. So it, this this whole experience just really helped me to to pour all of that into this journal. And it just opened me up in a way um, to possibilities and, and just really owning my voice. I, I, I didn't want to. I think, I think what it was, Jennifer, is that I felt like, 
I had this voice for self self help and personal development as a writer, but I felt like an imposter because I was like looking at my personal life, like how am I writing so how am I writing so when my life was so messy, you know, I was like, oh, like my, you know, I had so many messy areas in my life and it just made me feel like a fraud. So I was like, no, I'm more of a angsty, you know, poetry slash essay. Like I was just trying to find out who I was and what I really had to say. Like, how do I own all of these sides of me? And that's where my website is called All the Many Layers. And that really came from me just trying to embrace all of me and and be authentic and and uh just be at peace and, and just be able to just be and not feel that I have to choose some aspect of myself to just attach myself to um and the book is definitely reflective of that because it makes sure to touch on how you care for yourself in all aspects of your life because many of us feel that, okay, I take really good care of this aspect of my life, let's say my physical, my physical health, right? But have relationships that are tearing us down, you know, or we don't succeeding at work and our careers, but aren't taking care of our mental health, aren't sleeping, aren't, you know, doing things to build resilience there. So, um, that has been a big part of my experience is just, you know, be, being very passionate about one area of my life and kind of letting all these like sort of um, things fester in other areas. So it's really important for us to slow down a bit and just really ask ourselves what we need, what we're missing, and to do that daily. I think that's really beautifully said. And you mentioned that taking care of all aspects of your life is something that you discovered in your own self-care journey. Is that how you would define self-care? Definitely. And it means different things to different people, but in its simplest form, it's really learning how to take care of yourself in every aspect of your life. And I've been so, um, it's interesting how once I started really focusing more inward and meditating, I started becoming more in tune with like signs um, and into you know, just listening to my intuition. And I kept coming across essays and just different references to the idea of, of parenting or reparenting yourself or connecting with your inner child. And that line of that concept has been so helpful to me because, you know, before I had more of an attitude of like, fixing myself like I had to better myself I have to improve myself and the idea of reparenting or like learning how to care for yourself again puts it in a more compassionate and like nurturing tone because it's like so many of us just have these defense mechanisms and these blind spots and all these things from um, needs that weren't met um, for whatever reason you know um, growing up and and taking a minute to really look at that most sensitive part of your inner self and asking what you need is so powerful. Um, and I picked up in one of those readings, like I said, I kept coming across different things and no, it was a video. And the girl said that, you know, reparenting herself in sense of like when she thinks of herself as being her own mother she's like that's where the compassion and the nurturing and the 
you know, all of that comes in. And when she thinks of reparenting herself as like a father figure, she thinks of more like the the gentle discipline and the, you know, the structure and those kind of things. And that really resonated with me because <laughs> I need that. I'm very much a free spirited kind of person who's always just thought like, well, I'm, I'm free spirited. So I'm always going to have sort of these messes in my life. <laughs> you know, I would just tell myself that I'm an artist, creative minded person. I'm always going to have these messes. But um, when I think of how I want to take care of myself, how I want to parent myself, I really want to live a life where my actions are aligned with my values. So how do I gently but with conviction, you know, keep myself centered in that and self-care, you know, just asking myself what I need really helps me do that. I think that's really great conversation or discussion mm-hmm. to have because so many of us are carrying things from our childhood and I, you know, am a firm believer that our parents do the best that they can with what they have. And for some of us that looks like navigating childhoods with parents who have mental illness or other things going on and and you know, it's not always what we need. And so being able to come into adulthood and realize what are the things that I need right now or how can I fill the gap, so to speak, of the, the, the needs that were never met and how can I talk to myself in the way that I always wanted to be spoken to but didn't have access to. It's not a way of being that I think a lot of people come to until later, but so necessary to really incorporate that aspect of things, I think, into self-care if we're really moving beyond the bubble baths and the Instagram face masks. What do you actually need? How are you really doing? And how do you move forward in a way that actually feels really nourishing to you and that's what I love about self-care check-in is that there's so many layers to self-care and so much reflection that's available there yeah definitely and and it I think there's one prompt in there about you know a day to pamper yourself and how restorative that can be and that's great but I think where some people including me I got Um, a very limited perception of self-care when I thought of it that way initially you know when it became sort of a trend and I was seeing that aspect of it I was like well I know that when I'm depressed or when I'm having a really really tough day with just negative thinking and spiraling and I do a face mask or I like you know have a pamper me day I don't feel better. Like I, you know, it's, it's an escape. It gives me something to focus on for a little bit, but that is not, that's not um, facilitating any long-term healing. So that those kind of things are nice and they can be part of it, but self-care is about what can we do? What routines, what activities, what habits can we establish that are long-term and that will, improve our health holistically our mental health physical health emotional health all of that long term and sustainably and that's sometimes where we can ask ourselves you know if we're you know people will ask the question 
especially since I've been promoting the book, like, wow, like I just never thought of self-care that big. And, you know, is it still self-care to go shopping? <laughs> like, sure. But you just have to ask yourself that question, though. You know what I mean? Um, and be honest with yourself about what's really going on. Because, sure, that kind of thing can still be self-care as well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's thinking about whether or not that's what you really need. Right, right. And if you're trying to escape or if you're really trying, you know. As is typical here on the Bodyful Black Girl podcast and in celebration of Gigi Renee's book, I am inviting you to check in with your body. So if it feels good and safe and right to you right now, I invite you to check in via a body scan. And so we're going to start with our feet and make our way all the way up to our heads and just check in and see what is present. And if you can, go through this exercise with as much curiosity as possible, allowing yourself to take in any sensations, any feelings that happen to be present in your body. So when you're ready, I want you to notice your toes. good to you, you can give them a little wiggle and feel the life that exists in your body. And allowing your focus to move into the rest of your feet. Noticing the arches of your feet and your heels. And slowly allowing your focus to move up toward your ankles. And just noticing how these parts of your body feel. And eventually shifting your focus up toward your shins and your knees. And knowing that there's no right or wrong here. We're just moving through different parts of our body and becoming aware of how it feels to be in our bodies right now. And from your knees, bringing your awareness up and into your thighs. And if you're noticing any thoughts that come up as you're checking in with different parts of your body, to just acknowledge those thoughts. Try not to, if you can, create any story around them or get too attached to them. Hear them, acknowledge them, and try to refocus on what you're feeling in the moment. And if that feels difficult and you need to take a break, know that that's okay. You are always welcome to leave the exercise or skip the exercise to take care of yourself in whatever way that means for you right now. 
So from your thighs, if it feels good to you, shift your focus up and into your hips and your pelvis. Noticing if there are any feelings or sensations there. Gradually moving up and into your belly. We tend to hold a lot of feeling and sensation here. And that may be true or not for you today, but just taking it all in as you can. And when you're ready, allowing your focus to move into your chest. And maybe even noticing your back. How do those parts of your body feel right now? And slowly noticing your shoulders. I myself am noticing some tension in my shoulders. Maybe that's true for you as well. slowly allowing your focus to move down into your upper arms and your elbows. How do those spaces feel right now? And gradually starting to notice the lower half of your arm. And feeling your wrists and your hands and your fingers. Feeling the urge here to wiggle my fingers, so I'm gonna do that. You're welcome to join me in that if that feels good and safe and right for you right now. And when you're ready to move on, bringing your focus back up and into your neck and acknowledging what's there. And gradually from your neck, noticing what's present for you in your head today. There may be some thoughts swirling around, and that's okay. Maybe taking a few breaths here if that feels comfortable for you. And on your own time, using that check-in to assess what you feel you need right now. What might help you to feel more comfortable or more safe or more nourished and satisfied right now. If you can, give yourself permission to shift or move or engage in something that would help to support those feelings. And again, there's no right, there's no wrong, only what feels good and right and safe to you and your body. Thank 
you for checking in with yourself and honoring your body and your needs. I've never been a fan of like bubble baths, honestly. <laughs> so when that became a thing, I was like, I guess I'm just left out of this one. Uh, <laughs> but I also just found that sort of like the more trendy kind of wellness self-care to generally not be accessible to me. Um, right. To have to buy the pretty bath bombs and the flower petals for the bath and the the face mask that everyone was wearing at the time that that became such a big thing, I didn't have the financial stability to be able to live that life. Mm, such a good point. Mm-hmm. So for me, really diving into changing thought patterns and reading books on self-compassion and that kind of Mm -hmm. self-help stuff was really helpful for me and how I came into really being able to care for myself in a way that I didn't know was possible because it wasn't something that I grew up having a model of. My mom is, you know, what I would call a strong black woman, I very much identify with that as well. And so you all, within that, like other people get put ahead of you. And so that was how I lived my life for a really long time. Yeah, I had the same example. Um, All the women in my family, it was like, I was a very sensitive kid. And I cried a lot. My brothers and sisters called me crybaby. I was like one of those kids, you know. And I, the, for as long as I can remember, I could just remember being told to, you know, to suck that up and to not be so sensitive and to not share, overshare, not talk too much, not be a burden, um, to take care of other people, to hide your problems, hide your feelings. That's just the way I was. I was molded and taking care of myself. I really associated that with appearances, you know, like making sure you looked taken care of and making sure your your environment looked taken care of, your grades, that was very important, you know. Um, but in so far as anything beyond that and, and your own self, sense of self, that wasn't something that I even became remotely aware of until I was an adult. Like in my 20s. Yeah, I think I was a little later on that boat in my 20s. (laughs) (laughs) It can take a while. And I remember being in college. I had just recently graduated and a friend's mom gave me, um, I think the name of the book is In the Spirit by um, Susan Taylor. And it was the first book like that. It was like a devotional. It was a really short book, but it was really beautiful. And it was just like an inspirational you know, it was a little bit of storytelling, a little bit of self-help and spirituality and and just the language in it just awakened something in me. And I had never, I had never read anything like that. You know, everything I read growing up, my, you know, I read the Bible. My mom gave me, you know, that kind of self-help. But other than that, like self-help wasn't something 
Um, I just didn't know that I could take care of myself that way, that I could yeah. read things that helped me li- figure out ish- you know, how to live my life better, how to feel better inside. I didn't get that from church. So I know, it, again, in many Black families, every emotional issue is often supposed to be solved and figured out in church. And then when that doesn't happen for you, sometimes you can feel like, oh, what's wrong with me? Or, you know, what is, what else? I guess there's nothing else. (laughs) You just think that that's how it has to be. Um, So I just, I really appreciate and I'm honored to have a voice that I feel driven and, and pulled to share to you know, hopefully awaken in others the same way Susan Taylor's book awakened something in me all those years ago, you know? Looking, the, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the idea of looking taken care of on the outside. Mm-hmm. I think that was a huge part of my childhood as well. Like you, you know, your clothes look decent, you look clean, you look like you've been fed. And then inside there's like this gaping hole. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> That you can't talk about. <laughs> right, exactly. And and church and religion was that same way for me. It was like the appearance of, and I, you know, I'm sure this isn't everybody else's experience, but just like keeping mm-hmm. up with the Joneses, so to speak, and looking like you are spiritual and God-fearing and all of those things. And so I never found that kind of support in church either so reading the self-help books and really digging into psychology and seeing my own therapist have been the most helpful tools that I had to really figure out how to fill that gaping hole inside of myself and to manage what I later would find out was depression right right and to really know how to take care of yourself at that point. I can honestly say that a lot of the ups and downs I've had with anxiety and depression came from not knowing how to take care of myself and not know, not understanding myself and my feelings um, and just making a lot of assumptions. So the more we have, you know, we have resources now. Um, I grew up in an environment where mental health was not something that was okay to talk about. And so my mother went undiagnosed with a mental illness for years, my whole childhood growing up. She wasn't diagnosed until she was 50 years old because nobody, I didn't have the same resources back then. And, you know, just with our culture, it wasn't something people talked about. It was just something you try to manage and keep other people from knowing. And that's the way we dealt with it. So that's the way I grew up to deal with my issues is to try to hide it as best I could. And um, yeah, so it just was that long road of figuring it out on my own, you know? Yeah, and I think that's why your message has resonated with me so much. I think it was a story or... I think it was an article that you wrote, maybe for Shondaland, about your mom. And I saw so many similarities in that with my own upbringing. Um, My mom was diagnosed with a mental illness when we were kids, but it wasn't something that I was told until I was 18. And so there was a huge 
part of my life when I was younger where I was like, okay, this is normal. This is what parents do. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't know any different. <laughs> right. And then as I got older, it was like, eh, I don't know. I don't think my friends have this same experience. <laughs> yep. And having it all kind of make sense when that conversation was had when I was 18 and then feeling really almost betrayed because it wasn't talked about. It was one of those things where like, you know, you keep the home business at home and you don't put all your business out in the street. And I don't know if it would have helped me to navigate it any better, but I feel like a lot more things would have made sense had I known, at least knowing that it wasn't normal. I know. I know because it's so confusing when you don't, you don't know what's real, what's normal, you know, and I've asked myself that question many times. Like, I wonder what the experience would have been like if it was something that was openly talked about and everyone was aware and maybe even, you know, seeking out different ways to cope and deal with it instead of it just being silenced like that. I wonder how, you know, different it, it might have been. So it's interesting. Um, I have kids myself now, and while I definitely don't have um, any serious diagnosis, my, my ups and downs with anxiety and depression were um, the extent of, you know, what I would have been hiding. But even that at first, I tried to always put on this happy, you know, face for them and tried to hide things from them and even limited what I told them about their grandmother. And um, now that I've grown a little bit and of course they've grown, I'm trying to do better with that, at least about, you know, just talking about our family history so that they're aware, making sure that they have a mental health IQ that, you know what I mean? That like I didn't have and not repeating. It's so funny how you can become aware and still sometimes un like, unintentionally um, perpetuate the same pattern, right? Of just not wanting to bother them with it. Like, I don't want you guys to worry about these things and I don't want you to think about them. Like, wait a minute, that's probably what my, you know, that my parents were probably not trying to like, just keep me in the dark to mess me up. They were like, just trying to keep me from having to deal with, with adult heavy things, you know? So I've had to really look at myself as a parent and think about, okay, how do I make sure that I don't hide these things and that I make sure that my kids understand, um, you know, just have an understanding of like, this is real, just like your physical health, you have to take care of your mental health and, you know, and it's not something to be ashamed of or to be afraid to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I am very similar with my son as well. He actually sees an art therapist himself just so that it kind of normalizes that type of support, which, you know, I mean, my ultimate goal is that, you know, he doesn't have as many issues as I had. For me, it was really important to normalize asking for help and normalize seeking support when you need help and to also for him to get used to the idea of getting support even if it seems like you don't need it. So not yeah. waiting until something happens to say, oh my goodness, I need help with this, but in a more preventative way, which is a lot of what I feel like you go through too in self-care check-in is taking care of yourself 
but not in a kind of reactionary way. It's a, you know, how can we support and build resilience along the way? Exactly. That's, that's the whole, that's like in a nutshell, is these are practices, these are ideas that um, can sustain you so that you build up your energy. And when I say energy, I mean like your resilience for life. To where, yes, there's going to be unpredictable things that happens and there's going to be setbacks. But if you're practicing a lifestyle that restores you and that heals you every day, not just when you're recovering from a specific thing, you can you can roll with it and you can show up like full for these things um, and not feel like constantly that feeling of being on your last leg you know just being on the edge of a cliff and that one last thing is going to knock you over the cliff you know um and that was really a life-changing realization for me because for so long I just felt like this constant probably for like 10 years I felt a constant state of overwhelm a constant state of I can't I just wasn't cut out for this life like (laughs) you know like I'm just too sensitive for all this I'm too you know, just really with that meant sort of like victim mentality of like, you know, this is just all too much for me. And when I realized that I really could let it all go, and the reason why it felt like so much was because I was trying to shoulder everything myself, and that I could give myself permission to just let go and roll with the flow of everything that's that's a scary thing many of us think we're doing that but we're not it's true (laughs) (laughs) so it's like self-care is those daily reminders to stay in your flow it's like it doesn't have to be a big deal or complicated like you said it doesn't have to be expensive or put you in debt or you know take money away from you know your life your survival it doesn't have to be pretty it's just those things that remind you who you are, you know, and, and remind you what you have hope in, what you have faith in. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I have noticed that in your work, writing has played a really big part in that process for you. Mm-hmm. And seems mm-hmm. like it has been a really incredible and powerful coping tool. So for me, as somebody who is very kind of body oriented and found a lot of my coping through movement and moving my body. I'd be interested to know if writing can be a tool that folks can use to become more aware of their bodies. Absolutely. Um, What I love about writing is that it can bring awareness to whatever you, whatever direction you tend to, you choose to focus it on. So I realized that when I discovered this passion again for writing and for, you know, just connecting with myself through writing, I became so obsessed with it that I kind of let go of all the other things in my life that gave me a similar feeling um and writing is actually what brought me back to dancing and moving my body and finding new ways to get out of my head <laughs> which I got so in my head with writing um and to get back into my body and it was like a journey because I grew up 
dancing. I danced through my whole life and was always just like very much like constantly in my head. If I was in my head, it was like music playing and me making up dances in my head and moving. And it was something I did pretty consistently until I became a mom. And that's when things slowed down a lot. And I started living in my head a lot. Then with the writing and through my self-discovery and healing process and asking myself those deep questions that similar to the questions that are in self-care check-in and just trying to get back to who I am, I discovered it just kept coming up, Jennifer, like dancing and movement and being able to lose myself in lose myself and express myself in a different way that didn't involve words that, you know, movement was my favorite way to do that. And I wasn't fulfilling that. And that's what got me back to walking and back into yoga. And it's still something that I have to um, sometimes push myself in the morning when I do my walk. Like I always love it when I get out there and it's my favorite part of the day. But in the morning when I'm getting out of my bed, <laughs> My body, especially I'm getting, you know, I'm 42 now, so I feel differently in the morning than I did 10 years ago, right? Like in the morning, I feel a little, a little stiff, a little bit like, you know? <laughs> so just the importance of that. And writing is what got me back there. So to, to answer your question, what I think is that writing can reveal to you parts of yourself that you've forgotten about or that you've neglected or that just to have fallen by the wayside because of being an adult and having responsibilities and having maybe multi being maybe multi-passionate and have many things you care about and the abandon that I feel when I am able to just let go and get back into my body there's nothing like it and we have to remember to give ourselves those things like sometimes we get so caught up in focusing on acquiring things and changing our environment in a way to satisfy ourselves when there's so much we can just do with this this body and this mind and this like what we just have naturally you know and even getting caught up in what's wrong with our bodies mm -hmm. as opposed to like what can this body do and in the morning you mentioned like not feeling a little stiff in the mornings yeah. like sometimes for me it's like can I just wiggle my fingers? Mm -hmm. If I can wiggle my fingers, maybe I can start to move my wrists and that'll move somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't have to be a, a big process. But we do, I think, as a society, especially now with social media, get so caught up in what could be different that mm -hmm. we forget that we already have or we may already have a lot of tools and resources that we're not taking full advantage of. Yeah, because sometimes it seems like it's too simple, right? Like, it just seems too simple, and we think we need something big and something performative or something we can show someone um, or even ourselves. And little things like that, like, I love how you said waking up in the morning, just moving your fingers. Um, there's a meditation like that where it just says, bring your awareness to your toes, then bring your awareness to your feet, you know, and move to your legs and just feel the blood rushing through and point and flex your toes. And that sounds so simple. <laughs> like, um, that's not going to make a difference. You know, this is what we say to ourselves. But these mindful just practices really do remind you of like just the amazing, wonderful miracle that your body is and how, you know, 
it carries you and has held you your whole life and how you takes you everywhere through the day. And we could go through whole days, weeks, months without thinking twice about it when we're just so focused on something, on whatever, you know, our jobs or our relationships or whatever things we're focusing on, we can just forget, completely forget about our bodies. And it's also the small things that really do accumulate over time. So even with like self-care check-in, the act of consistently checking in and honoring and meeting those needs when you can is huge when that's done consistently and over time. It seems really simple and we've made it really complicated, but it doesn't have to be. And so understanding that like the smallest things, the smallest effort done over time can have a huge impact. What is it? The butterfly effect? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It does. Yeah. It's so true though. And even like the way we talk about our bodies, right? Like when you, that consistency makes all the difference because when you're used to saying negative things to your body or to yourself about your body, and that's what you're accustomed to doing, it doesn't feel out of place. It feels like normal. But when you start daily practices of honoring your body and just gently and consistently changing the way you treat yourself and the way you talk to yourself, those negative thought patterns will start to feel out of place, you know, and even negative, not I shouldn't say negative advertising, but just advertising that can get in our heads and make us feel like we need to be different. You'll, it'll start to you'll start to see it for what it is and not let it absorb, right? Like not get caught up in that illusion of, oh, I need that. Oh, I need that. You know, now trust, I love like mascara and like all these things just like, you know, like that there's nothing wrong with, with wanting pretty things and all of that. But I'm saying that illusion we can get caught up in when we're young girls Right. And we just see like, oh, why don't I have a body like that? Or why don't I look like that? Or why doesn't my body do that? And as you get older and you become more aware of what you're saying to yourself and what these these ads are saying to you, you can realize that this is just all consumerism and it's not supposed to be how you really think about yourself and that you're really beautiful the way you are. Like I tell that to my 14 year old and I know she just thinks that's her mom saying that (laughs) because I'm supposed to say that. But You know, right now, she's very much influenced by, you know, what other girls her age look like and, you know, what she sees on television. And I just, I just wish she wouldn't even go. I wish she could skip all of that, you know. (laughs) I wish I could have skipped all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, yeah. (laughs) I think it's so amazing to hear you talk about all of these things that there are so many similarities it seems in the way that we parent and the lives that we have lived of course they're not exactly the same but there are a lot of pieces that definitely seem similar and so I really I really do appreciate getting the having the privilege of being able to have this conversation So there's one question that I ask everyone who is on the podcast, and that is, what does bodyful mean to you? I love that word. Um, Bodyful makes me think of fully occupying my body, like 
sort of what we talked about a little bit and how I, even the way I think about my body, you know, not rejecting parts of my body um, and being in tune and asking myself every day how I feel and what I need and, and treating my body the way I would one of my, you know, I think of my children, like when they were, you know, when you have a, a brand new baby and you're just examining it and you're, you become so meticulous about knowing what every little sound means and what they need and just loving them so, un, you know, just so fully like that. That's what I think of with body full. Like we should all be loving our bodies that way and just being fully occupied with taking care of this vessel that we've been given um, to carry us through this life and, you know, having a bodyful attitude, which is like, you know, like just loving it, just radical self-love, you know, and taking care of your body for the miracle that it is. I love it. That was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I love hearing everybody's different takes on it. Yeah. It just adds to my own, you know, idea around it, which I just, I always find really nourishing for myself. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, I love that word. How can people find you and the book? Okay, so um, my website is allthemanylayers.com, and you can find my a few of my essays there, links to a lot of my writings about um, mental health, self-care, self-discovery. You can also find my courses and workshops there, um, which I do every month, and they cover creative topics like writing your own story and self-discovery topics. Top, excuse me, topics like writing through anxiety and things like that, um, different options every month there. And my new book, Self-Care Check-In, is available anywhere books are sold online, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or you can go to my website as well, allthemanylayers.com slash books. Um, and lastly, on social media, I am at Gigi Renee Wright. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I was really looking forward to this and I had a great time. You're so welcome. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Bodyful Black Girl Podcast. We'll be back in a few weeks with more body talk. In the meantime, take good care.